0: you know what, talk to people. Uh, when, when they do, when they say that, they, when they say, well, if you've got a question about if it should be or not be, uh, but we'll all sit down and talk about it together, they're not saying, well, we're going to sit down and talk about it and straighten you out. They're not saying that. They're saying, we'll sit down and talk to you because this is what the kingdom does. And more and more, uh, some of the things that we are looking at and the things that we're doing, we're realizing that outside of real relationship where people walk together in, in truth, who walk together in real relationship, you can't build anything. It's impossible. In fact, one, one place in the in the Bible, it talks about how, how some have preached another gospel. When you preach a gospel that's not built on relationship, you're preaching another gospel. You're not preaching the one Jesus has. Because what he says in his word, and I'm not even say what I'm preaching today. This is just a warm up, by the way. Uh, in His Word, what He says in there, it says that all the laws, all the prophets, everything you can say is God is founded on a relationship with God and a relationship with people. And if you are, if you don't have a relationship with God and a relationship with His people, you're walking in a different gospel. And this, this is something that's real. Uh, where we are up in the North Country, there, uh, we do, we are facing. Uh, challenges every day, <laughs> um, but they're good because God is always there, and he's moving, uh, but, but up there, the, there isn't a church that we've run into yet that's relational on any level. Churches, you come to a meeting, and that's all you ever do. You come to a meeting, that's it, and that's all that's expected. That's all that's, that is, and, and a lot of the meetings are pretty dry. There's not a whole lot to them, uh, people don't walk in accountability. They don't walk as brothers and sisters like what we, what we have in a relational church. And it makes the churches very weak. It makes Christians in their walk very weak. You know, when we begin to look at God and we begin to walk with him in his word, we begin to find out that God has called us to be, what, his hands and feet, right? In fact, the disciples, the ones that Jesus trained uh, even though they were unlearned men, they were, they were men who, who people were amazed at, and they called them the men who turned the, the world upside down. What were they doing? They were men walking in a relationship with God, and a relationship with people, and they never stopped. They never quit. They walked in that relationship day in and day out. Were they wrong at times? Oh, many times. Did they have problems? Yes, they did. Uh, How was their worship? I don't know. You know, good, bad. Otherwise, it didn't matter. Somewhere, they learned how to walk in God's ways to such a degree that they changed and impacted everybody they ran into. And as believers, there's something about that, that in our lives, we are to make a difference in this world. We're not just to be part of this world. We're part of this world, but we're not of it. We all work. We all love our jobs. Amen. And sometimes we we think, you know, Lucifer works at our workplace and persecutes us all the time. You know, there's always that one person. And that's even if you work in a church. (laughs) You're sure that they're Lucifer, you know. But the truth is, is that wherever we are, we're to make a difference. And if we're not making a difference somewhere, we've got to come back again to the very Word of God. We've got to come back again to the very presence of God, and we say, God, what's going on? What gospel am I living? What gospel am I really walking in? Uh, today, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, and, and, and I'm going to look at verse 8 through 21. And, and I want to talk a little bit about redeeming the times, because as we're here on this earth, we're to make a difference. We're to impact something. Things should not be the same. Things should not go with the flow. We shouldn't just be in our, in our, in our house and say, well, me and my four and no more. We're just going to make it and that's it. No, we make a difference in this world. In fact, when, when Jesus talked about us, he said, what, you're the salt, what, not of the church, of the world. You're a light. You're, you're to be set on a hill. Quit hiding your candle. See, there's something about how we should impact things in our life, and I'm going to look at some verses here, and I've got to use glasses now more and more. Caleb asked me if I use a, the big font in my message. I use a big font, not as big as size yet, on his worship music. I like size worship music. at One time I seen it. Uh, but I didn't want to bring up 15 pages, so I kept it small. <laughs> <coughs> Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8 It says, "For for we were once darkness, but are now the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done done by them in secret. But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light." Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See, then, that you walk circumspectly, and not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunken with wine, which is in dispensation, but... Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody to, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Those verses there, I probably could preach a series on, because there's so much in there. How many have realized that the days we live in are becoming more evil? It's, it's becoming, in fact, in the last five years, I'm amazed. Um, uh, in fact, if, if, you're, if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, just watch Fox or CNN for a day and then renounce it and get it out of your life. <laughs> there's craziness all around us. There's a constant pushing of the enemy. There's a constant pushing of darkness that comes on. You know, I, I, there's some of the things here, too, I, I know... Uh, I, I hate seeing things, I, I see so many young people even in this area here that I've known or driven bus for that are, are dying. That should not be. There's a part of me that it grieves me in the heart. And I say that because somewhere in there, Satan is real and he is destroying people's lives. And the thing is, is somewhere in that deal, the truth of God and the redeeming power of God wants to break forth into those areas. There's young men and young women that are not among us today, and are not among us because of addictions and everything else. The enemy brings them to people's lives and destroys the very thing that God wants to bring out of them. And some of them should have been the ones down the road to know Christ, to make a difference in the kingdom. Listen, I believe that this, that Satan comes hard after people sometimes because he knows what they can do. He knows that there's a calling on their life. He knows there's something on their life. And if he can destroy them in the middle of their sin, in the middle of their, their fallen state, he wins that battle and that person's gone. And somewhere the church is to what? To redeem people. What is redeem? To buy back people, to pull them out of the fire into his light, into that glorious place. This is what the kingdom is supposed to do. The kingdom isn't here just so we have a church service on Sundays. Amen? Amen? It's not here so we can say we're a Christian, it's not here for these other things. The things around us are are getting into that place and and, and I want to look at this a little bit about walking in the light and redeeming the times because there's some things that we have to realize. There's some thinking that we gotta rethink in our life if we're gonna get into the place of understanding this. Because I don't know about you, but this is one of the biggest battles there is is learning how to walk in the spirit. Because so many times we're walking in the spirit, but we get so wore out. Anybody do that? You get so wore out. (laughs) Walking in this world. You know, and you're working with people, you're working with other things, you're working with work, you're doing all these other things, and it's pretty soon your mind is somewhere else, you're not even in the spirit. You're dealing with people and problems and situations and all these other things, and you're trying to come up with solutions, and somewhere the solution has been there the whole time. It's the redeeming power of God is the only solution. See, there's something about it in the world. Everybody tries to find somewhere to be happy. They find some, some way where I can be, uh, there, there's got to be some way I can be financially secure. There's got to be some way that, that I can be happy in my life and I can be fulfilled in my life. There's got to be a way I can have these things. And I'm telling you, there's no way outside of Christ. You know what? I'm satisfied in Christ whether I make 100000 a year or whether I make 15000 a year. Why? Because it's not about money. It's about Christ that satisfies something this world can't satisfy. See, one of the reasons when I got saved why I quit drinking and doing drugs is because I didn't need to do them to be satisfied any longer. I didn't need to drink to be happy. Why? Because I was happy. I didn't need to do drugs and feel high so I could feel like I was having a better day instead of living in depression. Why? Because I was no longer in depression. I began to find out I'm a child of God. He began to change my heart and things began to be new in me. See, there's a, there's a powerful, redeeming quality of who God is. But the truth is, is, we're that redeeming quality here on earth. There's not a separation from that. I heard, a, I heard someone say one time, they were talking about, how, how's your spirit? How's your, on a reservation, we hear spirituality, which it just, it's just a term for people who don't know yet. There's Jesus and there ain't Jesus. You know, everybody's, everybody's a spirit. You know, and, uh, and they're like, well, that sounds like a really good spiritual experience. Here's the truth. Sometimes people think they're, they're, we're humans and we're having a spiritual experience when it's really the opposite. I'm a spirit and I'm having a human experience right now. Yeah. Listen, this is just a human experience. When I'm 90 years old, that's 90 years of human experience, but my spirit will live for eternity. See, right now, when I die, this, you know what? what's really cool? Is that one day we do get a new body. And, and, and ones who are in their 20s don't get this, but when you're in your 40s and 50s, you start saying, hey, this body kind of sucks. <laughs> it don't work right. You know, you get to a place where my back gives out more, more, goes out more than I do. You know, and you're like, is there something wrong with this thing, you know? You try rebuking it, you know, in the name of Jesus, work right, you stupid knee. <laughs> you try to do all these things, and, and, but this, this is what, it's grass. It's here today, gone tomorrow. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And it says everything's beautiful in the time. Hey, we have days of beauty, and we have days where we just finally keep on going and going, and then we're gone. And it'll be a good day when this body's gone because I'll have a new body. But that new body is just the house I live in. I am a spirit. I'm a spirit. And there's something about it that we need to, if we're going to learn how to walk in the spirit, we've got to come into the understanding that we're not just a human being. We're a spirit. I'm having a human experience, and I'll be so glad when it's done. Praise God. Amen. Hey, we can have a great human experience. I'm not saying we can't. We can have an awesome human experience. There'll be good times and there'll be bad times both where we can have a great human experience. But I'm telling you what, I'll be so glad one day when I no longer have to punch into work. Amen? You'll no longer have to go and do the things you don't want. You can be in what? Wouldn't it be nice not to have to sleep? Have that new body? You can, in fact, I used to, somebody used to tell me that all the time. They, used to, they were teasing me because I've, I've lost 150 pounds with that deal. So I went through, which is nice, you know, but at the end of the day, this is just a body. I'm trying to use it the best I can in my human experience, and when I'm done, it's going to get thrown away. And if someone was teasing me and Caleb, and they were saying, well, you know, you're, 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 you're too heavy. You need to work on that. I said, you know, at the marriage supper of the lamb, I said, I'm sitting at the dessert table, because there's no gaining weight in heaven. And I said, I'm pretty sure I can eat sweets all day. And uh, it was someone who was pretty, uh, yeah, they're pretty religious. They didn't catch the humor. But uh, me and Caleb did. We had a good time with it anyways. And uh, it, it's hard. It's hard for some people to be happy. Um, uh, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, but here's, here's the thing. If, if we're really going to redeem times, we must walk in the light. He calls us to be children of the light. And, and this, is, this is really how we know. In uh, verses 8 through 10 there, it talks about that. It talks about, verse 9, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Listen, if you're walking in the light of, of God's life, you're walking in the light of His Spirit, what happens is you'll automatically produce. Listen, if we're going to really see God redeem things, we've got to say, hey, I'm going to walk in the light every day. I'm gonna walk in His light. Why? Because when I walk in it, I'll produce the fruit of what? Of goodness, of righteousness, of truth. They'll come out of me. If I don't, it, the opposite is true. I'll begin to produce other things of the flesh. I'll begin to produce grumbling, complaining, worry, condemnation, fear, anxiety. You know. Uh, in fact, I uh, I was teasing my dad because he uh, he's. He, he likes to know the news. He comes from the generation where the news used to be everything. And, uh, and he, he had to give up Fox News for a week. It was the best week of his life. He was happy every day. You know, I've asked him if he goes back. I was like, you haven't learned that yet. And he, and he won't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know, why? Because somewhere you watch that stuff, it begins to get you angry. You know, you're like, did they say that and they believed it? <laughs> you know, he's like, you're like, what is going on in our country? Hey, listen, somewhere we've got to learn how to walk in the, in the, in the Spirit. We've got we've to get in that place. God called us to walk into the light, and we're never going to see things redeemed unless we really get into the place where we begin to walk in His light. And this is a battle is that it starts off with a decision. Hey, I'm gonna, hey listen, if you, if you make this decision this week, I'm going to walk in the light every day this week. And then start doing it. You'll see things change you'll see things change. There's no way you can't see a change. His spirit will be there. Here, here's one of the battles that we have in that. We need to get to the place where we, we, we need to learn how to rebuke. In fact, it says in there, um, let's look at verse, verse uh, 13. It says, but all things are exposed, are made manifest by the light, and who, whoever uh, makes light is manifest. The light will begin to manifest things. And then verse 11 talks about that instead of having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, we should rather expose them. Uh, I want to start and say at first, that doesn't mean you go around and tell everybody they're in sin. That's not how you expose darkness. <laughs> That's how a child exposes darkness who doesn't know anything yet. And I say that to anyone who thinks they're mature and does that because it's foolishness. That's right. It's foolishness. I've watched people. There's the old mainline thinking that says, I'm here to expose darkness. We had one group when, uh, which was kind of a joke up there where we were. There was one guy, he was a, a new believer, but he was in his uh, his early 60s. And, but he knew everything after being a believer for a couple of years. Uh, very strong personality. And every Christian name you could name, he'd say, they're an apostate. They're, they're an apostate. You know? and, and finally, he left our group, and someone said, well, what did you do? I said, I don't know, but I'm sure I'm an apostate <laughs> at this point, you know. But he thought it was his goal in life to help tell everybody what they're doing wrong. And I was like, you are not the Holy Spirit. You need to get off the throne. And you need to humble yourself. What it's talking about in this verse is about rebuking the darkness or, 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 or coming and exposing that darkness. That's the same word, expose or rebuke. Is that there's a place where we need to learn to rebuke darkness if we want to stay walking in the light. And that's talking about us not somebody else. That doesn't mean we turn to our coworker and say, get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. That's not what that means. What it means is that when we get that condemning voice in, we, in our head, we begin to what? We begin to take those thoughts captive to Christ and say, I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to complain. Try to go all day without complaining. I think Jesus did all right at that, didn't he? I never met Jesus saying, you know what, Peter? This place really sucks. I don't like this guy. You don't see him saying that, do you? You don't see him doing things like that. You see him saying things like, hey, forgive them, Father. They don't understand what they're doing yet. They're killing me. They're beating me. They're tearing the skin off my back. They're putting thorns on my head. They're mocking me. But forgive them because they don't understand what's going on here. You know what? In that moment, they were forgiven. Why? Because Jesus asked for their forgiveness. That sin is not held against them. That's pretty powerful. You have the same ability to do that, by the way. That's biblical. You can forgive somebody their sin against you. That's powerful. And so here's what walking in the light looks like. Instead of being in that place where you're, you're constantly giving in to negative stuff and complaining and murmuring and all this other nonsense and letting this thing be part of who you are, you begin to take it captive and you say, No, I'm not going there today. Everybody at work complains about the boss and grumbles about the pay and, and everything else. Instead of going in that place, it's like, no, I'm not doing that today. God, thank you, I've got a job. Yeah. Thank you that I get a paycheck. Yeah. The Lord is the one who brings prosperity. He's the one who, enri- who enriches our, our, our hand. He is the one who, who broadens our borders, no one else. And so it's like, Lord, thank you for all the things you're doing. Thank you for a boss. He might be knucklehead, but he's my boss. And I'm going to thank God for him. I don't have to get in that deal with everybody else. I don't have to go what is that? Learning how to walk in the light. Listen, we miss out when we look more like the world than we do like God. Because people watch us. When people know that we serve God and they know that we walk with God, it says if you, what, if you know Christ, you should walk in him. And so there's something about it. They know that I do that. And so as I do that thing, there's something in me that I should be different than everybody else around me. You know, I have one time, uh, uh, I know we've got a couple of ones here working in law enforcement. Uh, there's a lot of guys in law enforcement who, who have a hard time speaking a sentence without cussing. And they have a hard time not telling a dirty joke to you, some of them. That goes around a lot, don't it? But you know, I worked in that field. What happened is is that I had a deal where someone told me that uh, someone tried to do a grievance on me with a lawyer about how I was cussing and talking really just vile to them. And the sheriff, which I thought was pretty amazing, he went to the judge and he said, never once have I heard Damon cuss to anybody. I've watched him be in altercations. I've watched him, he hasn't done it. That's not who he is. That person's a liar, and that's a fact. Why? There should be something different coming out of us. There should be something different coming out of us. There should be something coming out of us instead of, instead of all this nonsense. When I see Christians get on things, that, and, and, and there's, there's a part of me, when I, when I see Christians do that, it's such a turnoff where they get into political stuff and they begin to get all tore up and weird and bashing people and doing this. That's not the Christian faith. That's the world nonsense. And it produces what? The, the fruits of darkness. It produces division. You know there's more churches divided over Democrat and Republican? You know, there's only one good party. It's the God party. Yeah. There's only one government who will not fail. This government will fail. I guarantee you 100%. Why? Because I know my word. This government is not that great. It is a fallen government running by fallen people. We serve a kingdom that his government will reign eternal. And it's true and it will never fail. See, I have a residency, but my residency isn't the United States of America. It's the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is bigger than the U.S. That kingdom is bigger than any nation. And there's something about it where we have to have the God. We've got to get in a place where we begin to rebuke those things in us and get rid of them. See, I should look the same in or out. I'm not saying we don't have problems. I'm not saying we don't have problems. where we. How many know we all fail a little bit? There's moments I have where I fail. I'm like, yeah, Lord, I'm sorry, but not really. But I will be later. <laughs> you know where you really get mad? <laughs> I said, you shouldn't have said that. I said, but I meant it. <laughs> <coughs> I meant it. Well, it was me, and I meant that too. <laughs> you know, There's times where we have our flesh to deal with. But listen, somewhere, if we're going to get good at redeeming the times, we've got to pay attention to what we're doing here on this earth. We've got to get to where we begin to look at our life, not everybody else's life. I I tell you what, uh, I've read it to to more people who know how everybody should do everything, but they've got no control over their own life. They know how the preacher should preach. They know how the worship should worship. They know how the children should do children. They know how the youth should do youth, but they can't control their own lives. And people look at them and they say, well, they talk about God, but they don't live God's. Listen, that that has killed more things. It's hard to redeem the times when people don't believe you. Amen. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> I amen myself all the time where we're at. <laughs> it's just a part of what I do. <clears throat> but we need to walk in the light. We need to learn how to rebuke things. Verse fourteen says, "Awake, you who sleep." Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Here's the amazing thing. Is sometimes in our walk, we can go to sleep. But the truth is, is that God puts that out there before us. Listen, if you're sleeping, rise up. If you're sleeping, don't stay in that spot. If you're in a place where you've been taking a a spiritual sabbatical, You don't have to stay there. Get back up, I'll give you light. Get back up, I'll give you what you need. See, that's the amazing thing about who God is. God is is not, he doesn't fall off the throne when we're not doing good. But at the same time, his hand is always reaching out saying, I'm going to help you get up. Come back in the light. Come back in the light. Don't stay in that spot. And verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, And not as fools, but as wise. Listen, there's a place where we need to walk on purpose. This won't happen. If we just walk through this life and we're like, well, I'm serving Jesus, I'm living for Him, I go to church Sunday, and I'm, yeah, it's just Christmas time. I'll just hang out and veg out. It's it's always sometime. It's just Christmas time. It's just summertime. It's just birthday time. It's just whatever time, I'm just going to hang and veg out. Listen, any dead fish goes downstream. Any dead fish. And a lot of times, the, our, the, the river, where like, we tell people, you know, come into the river. You know, we sing them songs about walking in God's water and flow. And sometimes that flow's got dead fish going down it. And I don't know about you, but I don't mind looking to jump in the water with a bunch of dead fish. There's something wrong with that water. It's stinky. And somewhere it should look something different. And it will if we walk on purpose. And now walking on purpose means every day I get up and I say, Lord, I'm going to walk with you. Teach me. Show me. We're like King David. We pray those prayers I say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be right in your sight. Just don't let me go through the humdrum of my deal. Listen, don't let me just go through my job and just do this stupid job every day in and out. God, don't let me go through the thing of just getting the kids ready, getting them to school, getting this, getting that. God, somewhere I want to see the light of God come in my life every day. Not just certain days. Not just when the Spirit comes. You know the Spirit's always there, right? Every day. He never leaves us. We just choose when to recognize him and when not to. And when his spirit is there, when the spirit of the Lord is there, we can do great and mighty things in God if we recognize him. And we have to get to that place where it says, you know what, on purpose, I'm going to make up my mind. On purpose, I'm going to call out to the Lord. On purpose, I'm going to do the things that I need to do in God. I'm not just going to continue what I'm doing. And, And that someday Christianity turns into nothingness well, one day I'll do what God wants me to do. No, you won't. You know, I, always, I had one guy saying that, and he's like, well, I'm trying. It's like, have you ever tried to get out of a chair? Either you get out or you don't. You know, it's, it's, and here's the thing. In Christ, here's what Christ is saying. Just stand up. Stand up. I'll give you light. Either stand up and I'll give you light, or sit down in your darkness. It's just one or two. There's not a third option. There's not a third option. Well, I'm really trying. Oh, if things change in my life and I start, if I really get a good husband or a good wife, then I'll start serving God. That just means you ain't been married yet and you don't know nothing. (laughs) Because you can marry the perfect husband and wife and you're going to go through some growing pains. You're going to have to do the school of dying 101 if you want that thing to make it. And it ain't the other person dying. It's usually the one who cries about it the most that needs to die. Because they're the problem, not everybody else. I mean, I knew a guy. We, me and Caleb grew up with a guy in church. Uh, he, was a, he was a singer. Actually, did some stuff in Nashville. And he'd been through seven wives. <laughs> I asked him one day, I said, you ever figure out the problem? And he just told me, shut up. I like, all right. He was older than me. He could have hurt me. He always carried a gun in his, in his jacket all the time. He was a loose cannon. You know, I don't know why I asked him that in the first place. But I'm sure it wasn't all the women's problem. Um, that's for sure. I'm going to read a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 through 3. And it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as a spiritual people, but as carnal. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able because you are carnal. There are envy, strife, divisions among you. You are not carnal. It said, Are you not carnal in behaving like mere men? Uh I kind of sucked that in there because a lot of times, here, here's the truth. I see this more in different groups. I see this in our group up north. We, we have, we're in three locations, which we're kind of going to downsize probably to one or two uh, because we've kind of figured out that uh, me and Jackie ain't 20 no more. And we can't work 60-hour work weeks and do three churches. It, it just doesn't work. Um, I don't know why it took me so long to figure out. Uh, Glenn just said nothing and just watched and laughed when I told him. He's like, I knew you'd get there eventually. Um, but, uh, uh, but it's still been good. Oh, it's still been good. been able to reach many people going to those three locations. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. There's, there's, there's definitely more doors open than we can go through. Um, and when people say you can do as much as ministry as you want to, that's a fact. You can, you can do as much, if you're going to serve people and you're going to serve God, you can do more, more than you're able to do. And so, uh, and it has been good. God's done a lot of neat things. But in there, we've also had a lot of fractured people who come from different things. And just the coming into this concept of relationship is so hard. It's a, it's a battle. It's a battle. In fact, what's happened is, is that so many are fragmented. Brothers and sisters walk away from each other and don't talk to each other for 10, 15 years. Whole families live across the road from each other and don't speak because they're so divided. Listen, division, strife, and envy is the fruit of a fallen world. It is not the fruit of the Spirit. And when people promote things, when people walk away, this, this, is, this is a big deal. Um, if there's something where I can walk away, I'm, I've known Glenn a long time, I can use him and he, it don't bother him. I, I, I say things to him around him, whatever, but if I walk away from Glenn one day and it don't mean nothing to me, there's sin involved. God is not involved in that. And it's not because of anything he's doing. It's because where I'm at. And how can I say that? Well, I can say that pretty easily because it doesn't matter if Glenn decided today uh, I'm going to serve God and just went his own way. Uh, There's a relationship there and the truth is is that If you violate a relationship like it's nothing, you're not very strong in your kingdom. You become very weak. You can't handle meat because you're you're not even to the easy stuff yet. You know, some of you here, how many have family members that some of them are just weird? I mean, natural family. They're just, you know, there's some of them you're like, oh no, they're coming to the reunion. I kind of wish they wouldn't come. I hope they behave this year. You know, we got those ones, you know, and it's like, are they coming? Oh no! Are they sober or not? That's yes, what you watch them they coming in because this could be bad right away, or it could be bad. And when you bring a cooler with them, you're like, "Okay, we've got a good half hour before it gets bad." <clears throat> you know. And so, yeah, I mean, you kind of judge those things a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, when they're down and out, laying in a the ditch, they're still your family, right. yeah. and you still go pick them up out of the ditch. And they might not want Jesus, they might not want to hear about something else, but you still will help do some things, and you'll still set some boundaries. It don't mean you'll do everything. You're not going to let them come in and run over you and be all crazy and nuts. You're not going to let them do that, but they're still family. And when you begin to walk away from relationship and you break relationship, you know what happens? After a while, there's so many Christians out there who are so good at breaking relationships, they're walking in a different gospel. They're not walking in his gospel Because here's the fact. If I had a falling out with something like that, and I I can say this because I've had this with men of God. I've had falling out with men of God. Some rough ones. And at some point, God always brings me back to that very place of coming back into that relationship once again. Whether they're right or they're not right, he will not let me be not right. I cannot walk in his light and call it, I can't take darkness in the light and call it light. He'll, I'll have to expose it. I'll have to rebuke it. And I'll have to get rid of it. See, there were some times that we had in, in, in the past of our church even. There was other ones even in town that I was, it was like, you know, if I don't see them or talk to them, I'll be fine forever. But yet we were friends. That ain't the kingdom. That's a fallen kingdom. And Paul was talking to a church like that. He says, I can't even feed you real stuff yet. Why? Because you act like babies. Because you act like mere men. You know what? God did not call us to act like mere men or mere women. He called us to act like men and women of God. When people look at us, they say, I know the Lord is with them. There's something different about them. They're just not your regular person on the street. They're just not your regular messed up person. There's something different about them. They forgive people when they're bad to them. They're good to people when they don't deserve it they help people they something different in their life they're not like everybody else and there's something about that relationship thing that is that, that's so so real and so true but we we've got to we've got if we're going to walk in the spirit we're going to have to be diligent about doing some things like that and it goes on and it talks about <clears throat> in verse 16 it says redeeming the times because the days are evil uh, that word redeeming means to buy back. And it's really talking about I mean, when we redeem people, uh, what we're doing is we're not just getting people to say a sinner's prayer. That's just salvation, okay? Um, in fact, Psalms, uh, no, Proverbs says in there that he who wins souls is wise. Uh, someone who wins a soul is a redeemer. And a soul is what? Your mind, your will, your emotion. Uh, and, and so what it is, is that, that when you begin to, to and, and salvation is the first step, and it's, it's important, it's something that God rejoices over, why? Because it's the beginning of the redemption process, but it's not the end. And so when it's talking about redeeming, it's talking about taking those things that are broken, taking those things that are destitute, those things that the world said is nothing, and you begin to bring it into that process, and you begin to show somebody who they are in God. And you encourage them along in God. And you prod them along in God. And what are you doing? You're doing the work of a redeemer. And the Bible calls us into that ministry of reconciliation, which is a ministry of a redeemer. We're bringing people and connecting them back to God, where they belong. And so it says redeeming the times. And that word times, uh, there's a couple different words in, in the Bible. There, there's a, the, the chronos time and there's the kairos time. The chronos time means like that little clock in the back that most preachers don't pay attention to. That just keeps going around. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why they put that there. I don't know how to, I, I, oh, did you put that there? Yeah, because uh, I, I refuse to, to even read what it says now. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but the kairos time means god's appointed time and, and so there, it's a time of appointing and so we're saying redeeming the appointed time and so this is what this begins to speak is that if we're going to walk if we begin to walk in the light there's a place where we redeem the appointed time listen you were born when you were born because god says this is a time i have appointed for you to make a difference in this world Not back in the cowboy days, even though we kind of think that'd be cool. You know, not back in different other sometimes a day, or I'm in the wrong generation. No, you're not. You're exactly where God puts you. So when God puts you there, what he's saying is that, that redeeming the times, there are God-appointed times that will happen all through our life, wherever God has us, and he's saying redeem those times. Redeem them. Listen, there are God appointments that, we are, that a lot of times we miss out on because we're so busy not walking in the light. we we'll let everything else overwhelm us. I just go to work, I do my job. I go to work, do my job. I go to work, I do my job. I come home, I go to bed. I take a Saturday off. I don't talk to nobody because I'm tired of people. <laughs> you know, I come to church, I get a little bit refreshed. I go to Monday, I go to work, I do my... That's not what God called you to do. At your workplace, you, there's a appointed time of redemption. There, are you redeeming it? Amen. In your family, there's appointed times of redemption. Are you redeeming it? In your church fellowship, there's appointed times of redemption. When somebody blows it and spins out, that sometimes you're appointed. So God will call you if you listen. you go out and you'll pick them up off the dirt. You'll brush them off. Let's get up and serve God. Come on, we're not done. Is a God appointed time. It's a God appointed time when you run into people in the street and you begin to help them begin to know who God is. It's God appointed. Listen, he's saying, don't walk as fools, but walk on purpose. Which means, what God, what is your purpose today? Who do you have in my path? Who do you have in my path? And sometimes it's not about just you doing it to others. Sometimes God will connect you with people, and he'll connect you in friendship with people, and it's a God-appointed friendship. A lot of us here, we're, we're, we're friends, we're family. Coming back here feels like home. We do miss it very much. Very much so. Uh, there's sometimes I'm like, what do you think? She said, no, I know God's still I said, oh, okay, I'll go back and talk to him again. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because we miss everybody. We miss, we miss family. We miss doing things. We miss just the friendships. Why? Because they're God-appointed friendships. They're not just something that happens and goes away. It's not that we're just, oh, we were some pastor, here's a while, we're gone away. No, we're part of his family. We're part of this family. And there's times that many of you have had God-appointed times of friendship where we just got to sit and visit. And some of the times what you were saying was encouraging me more than what I was saying. Why? Because that's what it does. There's God-appointed times of redemption. and In fact, that's why it says don't forsake the gathering of yourself together. Why? Because it's an appointed time of redemption. And people who hide out all the time miss out on redemption a lot. Why? Because they haven't listened to the word. The word says do not forsake it. What does it mean? Don't turn your back on it. Don't turn your back on it. If you turn your back on it and go do the thing out by yourself and just hide out, you're going to get nothing. You're going to live in a place where you're excited about God for a couple days and you're living in depression to rest why? because you're missing out on the redeeming time of God it's not just for others it's for you and others listen when I'm out there doing something even if I'm helping somebody and something happens where where I'm in a conversation and someone comes to know the Lord or something amazing happens as I see the redeeming power of God come there man it blesses me right back and it gives me strength it redeems something in me it builds up something in me. If I sit down and say nothing, I might as well die. If I sit down and say I'm not going to do anything, God might as well take me home, because I don't need to live out this human experience doing do nothing. What a waste. How horrible would that be? I'd rather him just take me. I've talked to him before about it. I said, God, if I'm going to do nothing, take me home. I don't need to be here. Why? Because I know I'm here to make a difference. Why? Because he put all of us here to make a difference. Not just one. Every one of us. Every person we're around, we should make a difference. Every place we go, we should make a difference. Redeeming the times, the appointed times of God. And then it goes on, and this is a big key. In that next verse, it says, uh, um, let me find it. Oh, There it is, 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is a big key to, to redeeming times is we need to know what God's will is. We don't need to guess. We don't need to do yesterday. We need to know what his will is. Listen, I, I just want to encourage ones. If you don't know what God's will is for your life, start seeking him and he'll show you. Say, so how do you know that? Because it's true. If you ask him, he'll tell you. Now you might not like what he has to say right away, because sometimes God will say something that's going to make you uncomfortable. I can see Caleb up here preaching once in a while. I'm just saying, I'm not sure if that's God or not. I could be just off the top of my head. I know he's got a lot to say. Actually, he does. When he says something, I listen to him. Not joking on that part. <laughs> but I do. Do you know what God's will is? Or are you just using your common sense? Listen, this is where we miss God a lot. We miss him big time. When we begin to say, well, here's what a good Christian should be, why don't you just throw that nonsense out the window and say, God, what do you got? You know, you know how many religions have said what a good Christian should be over the, over the thousands of years? A lot. And a lot of them are dead and turned into Nothing. Anybody can say something. At the end of the day, what's, what's your will, God? Listen, when I look in my Bible and I look at these great men of faith, how they got where they're going was what? By faith, Whatever were they doing? They were listening to God and they were believing God over what they'd seen with their own two eyes. They were listening to God and they weren't looking. They weren't doing a deal and saying, well, God, I don't know if I can afford that. I don't know if I can. they just said, God, your will be done. Well, I don't know if that could happen where we're at. Some of the things that God talked to me about in North Dakota, I don't see it quite yet. I hear some things, but I don't see it all the way. And when I talk about it, some people look at me like like, it's like a cow looking at a new gate. Like, what is he talking about? I, I love that. If you ever work with cows, it's always fun to do. Just paint a gate a different color, make a different shape. And them cows can come around that corner, they're ready to be milked, and they come around the corner and they'll all freeze. And they'll sit there and they'll stare. After a while, they'll look at each other, where are we at? You know, I talked to them about some of those things relationally too, and it just it shakes them because they ain't sure what that's even talking about and they ain't even sure if that's even real they ain't even sure and begin to speak about some different things and they're not sure but it's okay if they're not sure why? because I'm not there to to convince people with human reasoning that's ridiculous I don't need to do the 10 steps to finally believe in God just someone is in a place where you gotta step out and believe them and when God says, I can, when, when Jesus said, hey, g- gather me up something to eat for this crowd, and they had a couple fish, hey, what did he do? He did a miracle. Why? Because he's God. He ain't bound by how many fish there are. The size of the crowd didn't bother him. The size of the mountain that needs to be moved never bothered God. Like God said, hey, just have the faith of a mustard seed and you can move mountains. That's not a big deal. What was he saying? Hey, that's just baby faith. That's just part of what we should do, you know. He he wasn't. He, sometimes we think he was talking in that real deep tone of voice, and there was angels in the background humming and anointing. He said, "Hey guys, faith of a mustard seed, baby faith, you can do it." This is just little things, and then he took the, He turned around and said, "You see the miracles we just did? Yeah, you'll do greater things than I do. You need to believe. You need to believe." Somewhere there comes into a place where we've got to get outside of that that place of, of just trying to understand things in our own mindset and we need to get on our knees and we need to say, God, what do you want to do? Because if this is what you want to do, I'm going to start going that direction towards you step by step, day by day. And it doesn't mean where we get weird and say, well, God told me I'm going to do this and we just get weird. We walk as part of a body. In fact, when you hear God, that's the beginning of a conversation. It's not the end. Immaturity says it's the end of a conversation. When I hear God, there's sometimes I've heard God and Glenn's like, nah, I, I don't know. That could be God. I guess he could talk that way, but and then after a while, I'm like, okay, he don't believe me. <laughs> but somewhere, we bring that before other people who know how to hear God. And as a body comes together, it's not just one man's vision. What is it? It's a body. It begins to hear Pretty soon, Glenn begins to hear some things on direction. Pretty soon, you get other leaders beginning to hear things on directions. Pretty soon, you get ones down at children's church say, "Hey, I think God gave me a vision for this. I think we, I think this is something we need to do." You're like, "Well, wow, that's God." Someone else up front said, "Hey, I think there's a way we could do an outreach to this one area here that's having a hard time." What happened? Hey, let's let's as a church let's look at this. Is this God? Yeah, it's God. Let's follow God. That's how we that's how we hear and follow God. It's not it's not a single deal. It's not a lone ranger. Prophetic word. In fact, all the, all the law and the prophet is based on relationship with God and people, not with God only. And if you decide you're going to launch out in something and your spouse says, this ain't God, then you ain't going nowhere until that thing is built on relationship, right? Because it will not make it. But as a body, we work together on that deal, but somewhere we've got to get back in the place of understanding his will. And then we have to ask ourselves questions. What does God want to do in Kirksville? What does he want to do here? How does he want to make a difference? How do I make a difference? How do my friends make a difference? What can we do? Listen, this is, this is the real thing. The redeeming the times, this is how we redeem time. Is we understand God's will. How do you want to do this? What do you want to do? What do you want to, how do you want to look at this? How do you want to do I love it when I hear him. When I hear him, I love it. Because I've learned something. He never fails. God can find the biggest mess of a person, and sometimes he'll tell me, hey, that's, that's yours. I say, that's your friend. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's my friend. You know? And you know what? He might not even like me in the beginning. But I'll begin to reach out. Why? Because I know God's with me. Why? Because I heard him. I don't care what it looks like. And you know what happens? It never fails. They'll come to know Jesus. God will start changing their life. Why? Because his word never fails. My ideas fail all the time. My common sense fails all the time. And I've got pretty decent common sense, I think, anyways. I, I agree with myself all the time. I'm hardly ever wrong when I talk to myself. I tell the guys the other day, I say, usually I'm right. In my own thinking, it takes me a couple weeks to figure out I might not be. But I've really got to spend some time to convince myself because usually I'm just like, no, you're right. you know. But somewhere we've got to get past that, and we got to say, God, what are you saying? Why isn't things happening like they should? God, if this is what you're saying that you want to redeem this whole culture around us. How do we get there? How do we get in a place where instead of seeing some of these young people and having funeral announcements come out on young people, we start seeing young people get saved and full of God and full of fire? How do we get that? Someone needs to get that. Amen? Someone needs to get that. Nothing irritates me more than going to funerals of people who should still be alive. Nothing. I got brother-in-laws that I've seen them die. And it angers me. Because God has such a gifting on their life and the enemy snatched them. He snatched them before their time. They should be here making a difference with me right now. But they're not. Listen, somewhere we got to say, God, if it isn't working, what is going to work? Is it going to take time getting in prayer? Yes, probably. But is it going to take time reaching out? Is it going to take time of doing some sacrifice? Is it going to take time of doing something different? Most likely it will. But God, what will it take? What will it take to change things? What will it take? Listen, Kirksville should be a place where they're wrestling with drugs. It should be a place where God's spirit starts moving. How many believe God wants to change the town, not just the church? then we got to start hearing him on that level. It shouldn't be about just what we're doing here. It's about what we're doing here in his kingdom. How is this changing? How am I part of it? How am I part of it? What am I doing? And it'll take something different. We're going to have to hear God on our personal walk. We're going to have to hear God on our commitment with him. We're going to have to hear God on how to walk with him every day. Now, last part, I'm going to finish with that. In verse 19, or verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is, is his dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another, psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart in God, being thankful always to God the Father, and submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Um, that word, being drunk or intoxicated, it, what it's saying is that quit being intoxicated, quit being overwhelmed, quit being so full that you're overflowing. How many of you ever notice when people get drunk, it stuff just spills out of them? A lot of the, the times things that shouldn't, you know, say, like, oh, I'm, I'm so stressed, I'm going to drink, and then they, they, they make such a fool of themselves. They're stressed out the next day, you know, because I did more dumb stuff. How do you know that? Because I've done it a lot. If you think I can say what's on my mind now, you should have seen me when I, when I was back then. It was awful. And sometimes what it's talking about, it's not just talking about alcohol. It's not just talking about drugs, although that's part of it. It's also talking about don't be filled up with so many counterfeit things. See, what drunkenness is is a counterfeit for the spirit of God. Listen, when I'm stressed at the end of the day, and I'm having something, there's still a place where I can, just, I can come and say, Lord, I need your presence right now. I need your spirit, and I can feel his spirit come and I can feel his strength come over me. God, I'm stressed, and after a while, I can get that place, and I can feel his peace that passes all understanding come over me, and I'm like, I'm good now. And I didn't have to drink two beers to do it. Isn't that interesting? You know, sometimes, instead of finding some cheap way out, we need to get it back in the presence of God. Because that's all alcohol is sometimes, it's a cheap way to get release. But it usually costs us. That's all drugs are. And here's what happens is, is that when we get so filled with things that are counterfeit, and when I'm saying counterfeit, listen, there's things that can be counterfeit that we think is good. I know some families that get so much into sports and, and stuff, sports stuff with their kids, that's all they are is a sports family. Jesus takes a back seat. We'll come back to Jesus when season's over. And all they knew, all they talk, all they walk, all they do is this sports tournament, that sport. Up north, it's a big deal. I know a lot of little kids who are on like three different teams. Some of them are on traveling teams. It's crazy. It takes them out of every function it can take them out of. Their whole life becomes nothing but hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars every week, traveling everywhere, doing everything. They invest in it. They do everything else. Well, we ain't got time to pay tithe because we're too busy investing and going to tournaments. We ain't got time to go to church because we're too busy. We can't miss this time. They only get to be a kid once. Well, if they get to be a kid once, then why not church teach them about Jesus once? So they got it when they're older. You know, this is a human experience. And in this human experience, you can have fun and do some things, but somewhere, you're not to be so full with the things of this world that that's all that comes out of you is things of this world. Why do Christians talk politics? Because they're not enough full of the Spirit. They're full of things of this world, and they need to get it out of them. Why do, as Christians, do we get in all these other nonsense things and, and get torn by this and moved by this, and, and this emotion grips us and pulls us this way, and this emotion grips us, why? Because we're full of things, and they just begin to spill out. When you're drunk, you spill all over the place. In fact, sometimes, some of us have been downright, we've been, a term that we grew up with is a bloomin' Idiot in full bloom for everybody to see, like a big flower. Look at me. I am a mess and spilling out nonsense everywhere. Listen, what's in you comes out. And what he's saying in his verse is that instead of being full of the world and all these things of the world coming out, if all you got to do is talk about your work, you need to get a hold of Jesus more than you do your work. And somewhere it should be enough that you have enough of the Lord in you that pretty soon you're so full of the Spirit, but the Spirit can't help but come out. That you're at work and someone's like, "Man, I'm wrestling. My wife is leaving me. This is going on." And I say, instead of saying, "Yeah, yeah, women are, they're a problem," you know, we'll join in the conversation. You know, you know how that goes. The water cooler time. Instead of doing that, I say, "Hey, is it okay if I pray for you guys? Because I know the only reason I have a good marriage is because God has helped me, and I think He can help you." Does that just fall out of you? Or do you got to work up courage? Go to Okay, Lord, help me. I'm going to say your name. Please help me. (laughs) Or is it falling out of you? See, even as believers, we shouldn't have a hard time talking about the Lord. We should be so full of him. That's what the Bible says. If we want to redeem the times, we got to be so full of him that it begins to fall out of us. That when I come around somebody and they're doing something, it doesn't matter what's going on, it's somewhere I can start talking about the Lord. Somewhere I can be out hunting with some friends, I can start talking about the Lord. I can be meeting someone on the street that I don't even know, I can start talking about the Lord. I can do this, I can start talking about the Lord. Why? Because it's a part of who you are. And if, when we begin to realize that we're spirit and we're here to redeem the time, you know, there, there are some things that I love to do. I love hunting, I love guns, I love all kinds of things that that uh, are manly and go bang, and I just have a great time doing stuff like that. But that's just things. And I can do that and have fun with people, but somewhere there should be something in me that, that where, where the anointing of God is in me, and there's an anointing where after a while that anointing is enough that it should just start coming out when I begin to do something. Instead of all this other nonsense coming out with the fruit of the Spirit it should start falling off of you. I heard one sermon that people should eat of the tree of your life And they should find the life of God when you're a Christian. Sometimes when they eat the tree of our life, they see an old sour bitter person and you're like, that's not God. I can get that fruit anywhere. (laughs) They eat the fruit of your life and you're just bad-mouthing people. That's not God. I can eat that anywhere. I can have sour grapes anywhere. But when they take a bite of the fruit of of your life and they find things like love and peace, patience and kindness, self-control. All of a sudden, they're amazed, and they're like, you've got something no one else has got. Where'd you get that fruit? He said, let me, let me take you to the one. He's the vine. I'm just a branch. Let me take you to the vine. You can get connected to him, too, and you can have this kind of fruit in your life. You can have peace without having to get high, <laughs> You can have joy without having to get drunk. You can have peace without expecting somebody else to give it to you. Oh, Jackie and I have been married for quite a while now. It keeps on getting more and more all the time. Twenty-eight? Yeah, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, it's a good thing. Right. <laughs> and you know what you know what happens is, is that you know what makes Marriage, really good, is when you begin to understand you're there to help each other, but my joy is not just Jackie. Either the Lord is my joy, or I've got nothing. Because the truth is, is another person will never replace what God is meant to place. Another person, another function, another something, doing this and doing that does not replace being filled with the Spirit. When you're full of the Spirit, you're not lacking anything. You have all things. Amen? Let's all stand. So bow our heads. We're going to pray and... Listen, right now, I'm just going to realize we pray. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to us because I I, I know there's something about this word that is meant to just build you. Listen, there's something about the world you live in where, where God is wanting to expand your boundaries. He's wanting to begin to do things that only he can do. But how it begins and how it starts is as he speaks to us. And as He gives us light, He exposes things that need to be exposed, and He removes those things. Father, right now I pray that You just let Your Holy Spirit be here. Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts. Speak to our speak to our spirits, Lord. Lord, there's been some things that we've been wrestling with at times, God. There are some times, Lord, that, that I can even see at times that maybe even we get tired and we get, we get worn out or we're looking at things. Instead of being full of your spirit, we're just letting things run through our brains. God, show us what we need. Show us how to step into your spirit. God, show us how to get in a place where we're drunk in your spirit, where we're intoxicated in your spirit once again, where we begin to be on fire for things, Lord God. We're beginning to stir us up and begin to raise up men and women all through this church here, Lord God, to make a difference everywhere they go. In their workplaces, God, let people be saved. Let people be set free because there's there's the kingdom of God. There's his children walking in that light, redeeming those times. God, begin to raise up things among our youth. Begin to raise it up among our friends here, Lord God. God, I pray you begin to raise things up uh, among those, those ones who are in their 20s in this town, Lord God, who are lost, who are beaten. The devil's lied to them again and again. Begin to raise up witnesses among them, Lord God, who will stand and say, I've got the answer. God, let us redeem the times we're in. Don't let us just be in a place where, oh, we lived in Kirksville all our life. We'll just live here till we'll die. God, bring us into a time where we say, God, let's make a difference in this place. Not just to fill a church building, but to bring that kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, Lord God. Lord, I pray that that you bring us into, into a depth with you, as we come into this next year as never before, Lord God. So I pray you bring us into a depth of relationship, a depth of friendship, a depth of hearing your voice. Glenn, yes. well, there's something about it. There's supposed to be five or six prophetic people in this church that are speaking to you a lot. It'll get there. It needs to get there. There's something about it. When you start getting full of the Spirit, you just can't shut things off. They just come. Lord, right now, we just we ask that you go with us. Lord, we ask that you go with us this day, Lord God. Help us. and Lord, we give you all the praise and the honor.